Upon the current issues and the Constitution show, Professor Wilson will encourage you to stay informed and read the U.S. Constitution. The show is intended to shine a light on current issues that impact your daily life. Professor Wilson has twice received the American History Teacher of the Year Award in the state of West Virginia and is the recipient of many honors. He served in the armed forces and is currently a college professor. He is a true patriot who believes the understanding of the Constitution is key to our future and our future freedoms rest with informed youth. Please join us live where you can ask questions or listen on your time. Just follow the show feed to receive the latest shows delivered right to you. Don't miss any of these informative episodes. Are you ready? Take out a copy of the U.S. Constitution, a notepad, and let's get ready to learn. Well, hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and this is an episode of Current Issues and the Constitution. And as I am always excited to introduce uh, uh, my brother-in-law, Professor Woody Wilson. Uh, he is here with me today, so welcome, Woody. Thank you, Felice. As always, I am very pleased and excited to be here. Yeah, well, um, we wouldn't have As a show without you, Woody. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm happy. And and uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Woody is enjoying uh, his retirement, but he is really not retired. He's only retired from what he was doing, and he's got quite a few other things that he does uh, to keep busy. And one of them is uh, teaching us about the Constitution and American government and uh, what is happening, uh, the state of affairs, if you will. And, and today, I just want to remind all of you listening uh, that this show is sponsored by Media Angels. You can visit MediaAngels.com for more information about classes that Woody um, has taught. Uh, we have a government class that is uh, newly uploaded on a brand new platform so that you can make it full screen and um, great quality, uh, very, very good, especially if you're studying about uh, the upcoming elections. That class really goes through uh, the electoral process, and there is a very uh, extensive uh, vocabulary list that will help the children understand so much about what they're studying and reading, as well as an extensive book list and a lot of other things. And one of the things that that class does contain is a uh, a political uh, survey where you can figure out, you know, where your, um, you know, beliefs line up with the different parties uh, that are presented, you know, here in the U.S. And so... I wanted to start today, Woody, uh, with discussion about the differences in political parties, and you and I have discussed this, of course, before we went live, but um, one of the things that I have found, and it's very, very disturbing to me, is that there seems to be a blurring of the lines uh, between political party, um, you know, the participants, uh, not so much in the government as much as, you know, those of us who vote. And it doesn't matter who I talk to. I have yet to find uh, someone that, um, you know, in talking about politics, one of those taboo subjects that I don't seem to know to leave alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, it seems that everyone is disillusioned. Um, nobody is completely thrilled about the different candidates that are talking about running uh, in 
in the upcoming, uh, which is actually um, 2016 election. Um, all we want is for um, you know those of us that are not happy with our current government, uh, you know, president. Um, we just want it to be over. And so, a lot of what I hear from people are really, um, it's really disheartening because it, it's no one's saying, oh, I'm so happy with how the Republicans are handling things, or I'm so happy with the Democrats, or, you know, with what the president's decided. And, and there's none of that. There's none of the patriotism that we as Americans, you know, Woody, and, and I think um, having listened to you for many years teaching the American history class that you taught um, for us online as well as the government class, there should be this patriotism uh, that, that really seems to have taken a beating. Um, you know, we still love our country, but we're not really happy with the players um, who are currently, you know, they're not, let's just put it this way, as a whole. Yes, there are some shining stars individually, but as a whole, you know, I'm finding in discussions that people are really disillusioned with all the parties. So um, I wanted to discuss that with you today and also uh, later on in this broadcast, uh, we're going to talk about some of the issues, the candidates that are have currently thrown their hat in, uh, the race, and also, um, you know, what we can do um, as we listen to the upcoming, you know, rhetoric, if you will, of, of the politicians right. as yeah. they start speaking. And they already have. <laughs> um, right. The, the, ca the campaign doesn't begin until February 2016. Um, all of this thing you're, these things you're seeing and hearing are now are just uh, – it's basically what candidates have to do because of media control of communications in this country. The media wants a story. They want a whole bunch of stories. Uh, they want to know who the candidates are so they can attack them, so they can defend them, so they can uh, ask them tough questions, so the candidate makes a gaffe like Jeb Bush did a couple of days ago and then they can play it up and make a big story, make money. Journalists can make a name for themselves. And candidates, if you're going to be a candidate, you have no choice. You just can't let your competition have all of the media attention while you sit back and wait for February of 2016. So the media basically uh, forces this. Now, you can get totally involved in it if you want to. Um, and if you do, I would call you a political junkie. And good for you. Uh, go for it. Um, or you can wait till January of 2016 and then start paying attention. Uh, because everything you're seeing now uh, could and, and likely will change uh, by, by the time that the campaign officially begins in Iowa, uh, February the 1st, I believe it is. Um, but nonetheless, you can get involved in and you will see, um, as Felice just said, and as I just heard Bill O'Reilly say this morning on Fox News, that um, their surveys are showing and uh, studies are showing that people really are disillusioned with both the Democratic and Republican Party. All we're seeing from them, and we're getting this from the media, um, 
we don't see their compromises, their conferences. We don't see them when they're working together, which they actually do in many cases. They're doing it now on the Iran uh, nuclear uh, deal that um, President Obama has put forth. Uh, we're seeing it on reforming. Uh, it doesn't make the news uh, not big time, but uh, they are slowly and quietly reforming the Affordable Care Act. Um, they are actually talking with each other and cooperating on the question of illegal immigration. So all you're going to get from the media is the conflict-oriented stuff. Uh, that's what the media wants to focus on. That's uh, what gets them the the, the profits that they seek. After all, they're a corporation. They don't exactly make automobiles or build bridges, but they are a corporation, and their job is to make money. And this is how they have learned to do it. Um, O'Reilly also mentioned uh, uh, people are saying now, and this is just this is kind of new. It's just, this discussion is just beginning that it might be time for a third party. It might be time for a third party to emerge, and this has happened. Uh, back in our history, and uh, and you know people could rally to that if it's an American party, a Constitution party, a a a, a party of people with a platform to solve problems and not to fight each other. And I think the media over the last several decades has created an environment where Republicans and Democrats are like two boxers in a ring. And they do some of the, you know, what Harry Reid did as as majority leader in the Senate is just unthinkable. I mean, I just I just shake my head when I when I think of an elected senator of the United States acting like that and doing those kinds of things because he's Democrat and the bad guys are Republicans. Uh, so people are disillusioned with all that, and and I think we're all disillusioned with the fact that we've got a bunch of issues out there, and they've been there for a long time. Uh, abortion, same-sex marriage, illegal immigration, bad economy, and we haven't solved them. We have not solved those problems. And part of the reason that we haven't is that the Democrats and Republicans in Washington, D.C. are so busy fighting with each other for power and control that they basically, well, the problem itself is on the back burner, takes a back seat. So, uh, look for that discussion uh, about the possibility of a third party. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a long time before February the 1st, and it's happened before, uh, most recently in 1992, Ross Perot uh, was the independent party uh, candidate, and uh, he did very well. He got 20% of the vote. In fact, he, called, he caused George Herbert Walker Bush his reelection efforts. Uh, by taking 20% of the vote, which was largely conservative. So, uh, yes, uh, Felice pe people are very disillusioned uh, with political parties as they are today. And, and let me also say that there is no constitutional basis for political parties. In 1787, when they're writing the Constitution, and, and I have read extensively on the creation of the Constitution, there was no discussion of political parties. I don't think that they knew and understood or even guessed about the future potential of political parties. Yet today, 
in 2015, political parties take precedence over the Constitution itself. The Founding Fathers did not see and anticipate that. The Declaration of Independence, our spiritual guide, is silent on the issue as well. It is something that just happened naturally. You go to any country on this planet, you'll find uh, people that disagree with each other on political, economic, or social issues. Well, in America, you're free to do that. You're not going to be killed or thrown in jail um, or sent away to a work camp or a concentration camp because you hold a political, economic, or social point of view. In America, you're free. Uh, you have freedom of speech, the right to assemble. You have the right to petition government. All of those things protected and granted in the uh, First Amendment to the Constitution. So so it was just natural um, it, and keep in mind that, that these these guys, you've got to refer back. If the Constitution doesn't have any guidance and the Declaration of Independence doesn't have any guidance, then like a Christian to the Bible or a communist to the Communist Manifesto, we go to the Founding Fathers for wisdom. And Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, George Washington, all – watched this happen. They watched the development of factions very, very quickly. And it really began with the difference between the Secretary of, first Secretary of the Treasury and the first Secretary of State, which were respectively Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. They disagreed with each other on the question of paying off the national debt, on the question of who should have uh, the basically the strongest influence on government. Hamilton thought it was the business community, and Jefferson thought it was the farming community. And they totally disagreed. And Jefferson was so disillusioned, or so upset with the whole thing, that after the first four years, Washington's first term, he resigned and went off to run for the presidency. And he lost to John Adams. Um, in the next election and then defeated John Adams in the following election in 1800. So by the time you get to the election of 1800, you have two political parties, Federalist and Anti-Federalist. The names will change. Uh, parties will come and go. It, but it, it really has today become about political parties. I would like to share some of the Founding uh, Fathers' thoughts. Thomas Jefferson put it this way, very simply and to the point, he says, if I could not go to heaven but with a party, I would not go there at all. So even though he was instrumental in founding the first political party, unknowingly, I suppose, um, he, came, he came to the point where he saw parties as being a detriment to a democratic society. John Adams said, there is nothing which I dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties. A division of the republic, and that's exactly what we've got today. Each arranged under its leader and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. And he is quite right. Um, a great deal of harm has been, been done. Uh, we have basically evolved uh, to this kind of a, a, a party control, 
uh, attitude. And you see it not just on the federal level, you see it on the state and local level too. If you pay, are paying attention to your city council and your mayor and your county commission and, and whatever else you have, you're seeing the same names and faces over and over again. These are professional career politicians that live to be elected and live on their salaries paid for by the taxpayers. It's a career. Politics has become a career. George Washington, who to me, and uh, you may disagree, is the greatest of them all, uh, without, without doubt. Without George Washington, we would probably not be a free society today. He made a lot of things happen. He, said, he puts it this way, <laughs> in his rather scholarly way, the alternate domination of one faction over another, sharpened by the spirit of revenge natural to party dissension, which in different ages and countries has perpetrated the most horrid enormities, is itself a frightful despotism. And I cannot think of or find a better description of what we have created here in 2015. A frightful despotism, a horrid enormity, revenge natural to party dissension. So choosing a political party is very difficult. Uh, a lot of people, an increasing number of people are registering independent rather than Democrat or Republican. And um, that is a growing thing that could shake up the two-party system. I think the two-party system is in itself does, gives you, does give you stability. If you could take out the media's role in stimulating angst, hostility, conflict, and all of those other kinds of things, then it would work very well, as it did up until about the 1960s in early 1970s. That's when it started going in the direction that we, that we are now in today. So uh, choose wisely, uh, think carefully, examine them all, and keep in mind that when you say that Republicans believe this and Republicans believe that, you can't really say that because uh, there are differences in Republicans, there are differences in Democrats, in both cases, anywhere from moderate stance on issues to extreme stances on issues, um, with most people somewhere in between. Today in the Republican lineup, you've got moderates like Chris Christie and Jeb Bush. Then you have uh, for, way further to the right, you've got people like uh, Tom Cruise. Ted Cruz, is it Ted, Ted Cruz or Tom Cruise? Felice? Ted Cruz, Ted. Ted yeah, Cruz, yeah. Ted. See, yeah, I'm not Tom really paying much actor. attention, am I? Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom's uh, the actor, so we. we so, definitely. so you can be a you can be a Republican and favor limited abortion, but generally mm -hmm. speaking, you don't like the idea of abortion if you're a Republican. If you're a Democrat, it's just the opposite. You support um, choice or abortion, uh, but to what extent do you support it? If you're a Democrat, will you, will you accept some limits on it? Yes, a lot of moderate Democrats will and would agree with that. In fact, moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats agree with each other more often than they agree with the uh, uh, 
further radical or extremist um, aspects of their party. So it's right. really difficult to say. There are all kinds of Republicans, Tea Party Republicans. You've got religious Republicans. Uh, you got mod- again, you have moderate Republicans. and They're just really all over the place. And one of the things that I've noticed, though, is um, Democrats. You know, you're going to see a big fight in the Republican Party. There will be an equally big fight in the Democratic Party, but you won't see it so much because the mainstream media won't cover it. Nonetheless, if you're paying attention, you're seeing that conflict already between the different wings of both parties. So if you're a Republican and if you're a Democrat, where are you exactly? Uh, You're not going to agree with everybody in your party. In fact, you're probably going to find yourself in some kind of a minority. So to the young people out there, uh, you might consider that. Uh, I know that I think about 80 or 85 percent of of people that register to vote for the first time register in the party of their parents. And um, later on, uh, maybe they change their minds or um, maybe they decide that they would be better off as an independent. But let me say this. No matter what you decide, participate. Participate. Go out there and vote. Uh, Choose candidates. Help them get elected locally, state level, federal level. It all makes a difference. In a presidential election, they all come together. State um, parties that support Hillary Clinton will spend a lot of money and a lot of energy and a lot of effort helping her get the vote in their state. And the same thing with the big party machines that control counties and cities and towns. Um, If they are... Democratic in nature, they'll support Hillary Clinton or whoever the candidate is. I assume it will be her at this point. And um, the same thing with the more conservative states dominated by Republicans. They'll support money, time, energy, volunteers, uh, people out there uh, uh, knocking on doors and and doing the phone call thing that they do. Um, will support the Republican candidate, whoever that may be. But I have noticed that in past elections, whoever gets the Democratic Party's nomination will get the Democratic vote. Republicans are more principled, I think, um, in 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 this political respect. If Jeb Bush, for example, gets the nomination as a moderate, there are a, a large number of Republicans that will stay at home or they simply will not vote. Mm-hmm. This happened to me once um, in the election of 1976 when Gerald Ford ran against Jimmy Carter. Um, I could never vote uh, for a Democrat at that point. And I, well, I still can, as a matter of fact. I might as well be honest. Um, <laughs> and Gerald Ford did a couple of things. Uh, he granted amnesty to draft draft evaders uh, from Vietnam War uh, while young men went to die for their country in Vietnam. Others ran away and hid in Canada and other places. And he pardoned Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon should have gone on trial. Uh, if, if, If I do something wrong, I'm going to be prosecuted. The President of the United States is no better than I am. He should be prosecuted also. For those two reasons, I could not vote for him. 
So I'm one of those principled Republicans, and I will not vote for somebody who gets the party's nominations, whose values, uh, where America and the Constitution and, and political values, economic, social, are concerned, where I'm in total conflict with the party's candidate. I simply cannot in good conscience cast a vote for that individual. So keep that in mind. I have often thought about um, re-registering as an independent. I haven't done it yet. I'm probably too lazy to drive down to the courthouse. Uh, but that day could come. And maybe I'm one of those people, like Felice mentioned originally, maybe I'm one of those people that's just totally disillusioned with all political parties. And by the way, keep in mind, last time I checked, there are about 200 political parties in America, communists, socialists, Nazis, um, um, Constitution Party, Independence Party, and American Party. Uh, you can look those up if you like, uh, probably get a list of them. And um, you might find that interesting. Most of them you've never heard of mm -hmm. because they are so small. But it might um, be very interesting to broaden your perspective if you took a look at those. So that's basically well, where we are with political parties. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a very short break. And when we come back, um, we're going to go over uh, some things such as, you know, how do we really uh, know what the candidates stand for and just some things that we can be listening for um, because, as you said, it's very difficult um, because of uh, the media today um, and, you know, how to really hear what the candidates have to say and, and so forth without uh, having all of that, uh, you know, interference, if you will, or just sound bites being taken out of context. So we'll be right back. The American Government and Elections class is a remarkable look at the workings of the U.S. government, the election process, and how the Constitution sets the stage for the democracy that we enjoy today. This video series contains 32 hours of class recorded with a live audience taught by accredited AP and award-winning professor of American history, Robert Woodrow Wilson. This class is sure to energize your students with a love of learning. The classes are on demand on your time to view from the comfort of your own home. Created specifically for the high school level homeschooler, this AP level class can be enjoyed by students of all ages. Recorded and produced by Media Angels, a name you trust for quality products. Need more information? No problem. Go to MediaAngels.com and visit our class link. Or go to AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com and get ready to claim your seat. Hurry, because class is starting. Well, hi and welcome back. My name is Felice Gerwitz, and this is an episode of Current Issues and the Constitution. And today we are talking about uh, the upcoming elections and the political climate. So if you are looking for this audio on our page, you can go to currentissuesandtheconstitution.com and look under uh, political climate, and you will find uh, this particular episode. And uh, Woody, you know, before we took a break, we were talking about, you know, just being disillusioned and, and so forth, so on. And, and now we're going to get more into um, having a, a good 
set of um, criteria, if you will, you know, as we're listening to the candidates. And, you know, the first is how do you really know what the candidate stands for and what is a, a good way to ignore the rhetoric or my favorite is the out-of-context uh, sound bites that we hear sometimes. You know, first let me say that that just about everything a candidate says is what they really believe. There are a few instances uh, of people that are simply writing speeches or developing uh, basically talking points in order to get votes, but generally speaking, I think you can believe what you hear. Now, there are about 29, there are 29 people out there who have expressed an interest in running for the Republicans, that is, who have expressed an interest in running. Um, and I wouldn't recommend that you go out and, and um, uh, research all 29 of them. Uh, there are some what we call top-tier candidates uh, that you could look at. Um, just go to the Internet and get your search engine and start researching them. What were they saying 10 years ago? What were they saying 20 years ago? And has their position changed on any particular issue? Have they flip-flopped? That is, recent changes? Okay, I'm going to run for president. Here's what I believe. And three of those things are different from what they were saying 10 years before. Um, so, so researching the person's history and comparing it to what they're saying now on the issues that are important to you, like the economy, the national debt, immigration reform, abortion, whatever it is, um, uh, take a look at their history. As far as their rhetoric is concerned, um, these are very skilled people. Like I said, they're professional politicians. This is their career area. And they have around them a whole bunch of people that they pay to help them uh, get reelected and come up in the polls and all those kinds of things. In fact, most of these candidates are going to have layer upon layer of handlers, strategists, policy wonks, pollsters, financiers, the list goes on and on, um, whose job it is to study the public, study what the people of Iowa think and the people of of New Hampshire and the people of South Carolina. Those are the first three uh, primaries. And what do they want to hear? What are their issues? And uh, that's what we're going to really focus on when we're in those states and those kinds of things. But but um, if if a candidate has changed stance on a particular issue, then the media is going to discover that and their opponents will discover it. If it's a Republican, the Democrats will bring it out. And if it's a Democrat, the Republicans will bring it out. In fact, that's already happening. Uh, we're all, people are already out there in the media talking about uh, flip-flops. Uh, for example, um, um, Jeb Bush, uh, who used to be solidly opposed to abortion, is now for amnesty. The same thing is true with Marco Rubio. Can you find a Republican candidate that it has not change positions on the issue of illegal immigrant, immigration. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. uh, Ted Cruz, for example, or Rand Paul. I think those are two people, Mike Huckabee. These are people who are very principled, and I don't think you'll find any recent changes. But keep in mind, 
we all change. Uh, my position, your position um, on political issues has changed over the years. Uh, we evolve. We change. I know President Obama is rather disingenuous. In 2007, uh, he was totally opposed to same-sex marriage and had some powerful things to say about it. After he won re-election, um, he said that he had evolved and began to support same-sex marriage. So that was, you know, pretty obviously. Uh, like, like you said, Felice, that's rhetoric that you can't really believe in. So mm -hmm. it is very, very difficult. But one thing that you really want to do, Jeb Bush rush recently did a uh, very in-depth uh, interview with one of the journalists on Fox News. What you want to do is you want to get his, whether it's um, in text or video, you want to get the actual interview. And don't listen to what anybody in the media has to say about it. Don't let the media explain it to you. Just examine it yourself. The same thing with the State of the Union message or any political appearance uh, type of speech in your state or in your area. Just listen to it and decide on whether or not you agree. Then go home and do your own research and uh, decide for yourself whether this is a candidate for you. It's very difficult. And following the media, they're not going to talk about everything. They're only going to talk about the things uh, that they can sensationalize and dramatize and perhaps increase their ratings. Um, so it's really a, a, it's a media. I blame the media more than I do the professional politicians, although I have very little regard for professional politicians. Whether they're senators or presidents, it doesn't matter to me. Um, so that uh, very, very good question, Felice, and a very, very difficult question to answer. Just be careful. So, yeah, so, you know, I, I know that there are specific websites as well that you um, enjoy using, Woody. Can you share some of those with us? Because, you know, just even I know the one that you cited with Obama um, changing his position on the same sex um, Marriages, the same thing with candidates that were, you know, uh, against, uh, they were pro-life and now they're pro-abortion. So um, how do you find out, is there a political watchdog website or, um, you know, is there a place that you can go and, or is it just hit and miss? I don't know of a single site that you can go to to find all of those answers. But But what I do is I type in the, uh, candidate's name, uh, let's say I, I type in Scott Walker, abortion, or Scott Walker, um, illegal immigration, and several sites will come up. I especially like newspaper articles uh, that are local, uh, like from Madison, Wisconsin, rather than the New York Times, um, from where Scott Walker actually is, where he was governor, um, where the issue came up, where he made a speech or um, made comments at a town hall, that's what I like to see. That's the real guy. And, um, I, and again, I don't know of a site, if there is one, with a list well, of all the idea. candidates to... that have mentioned um, the presidency and, and where they have stood over the years on, on the issues. But when you look up that individual, um, you, can, you can find out the answer to your question. So 
choose your candidates, um, some that you are interested in, and do some comparative research and uh, decide who's closest to your point of view. Now, I doubt if you'll find a candidate with whom you agree on 100% of the issues, 100% of the time, right. to 100% of your passion. You're not going to find that candidate. Just find the one that um, not that not doesn't just best represent you, but which could best lead this country back to the greatness that we once possessed. So right, and that's why it's important to go through your values, you know, as a family to do that. Um, I know that we did have uh, a form in the government class that you taught, and you had a, a group of questions that you went through. And I was thinking that of maybe leaving that a little bit more um, to the next uh, time we talk about politics or the election um, specifically, and just maybe even doing a whole show on that, Woody. I think that that's, would make a really a good, good idea. Yeah, and and, we'll and you know by that time we're, we're talking about next fall, right? Right, right. So and, if and you're by listening the, by to that this, time, we'll have a clearer yeah. uh, conception of who the candidates are going to be. Right, because right now the field is is getting a little bit more crowded. So you know, just as an overview, you know, look at the values, uh, things that you're looking for in a candidate. I know for me, there are specific things uh, that. Um, like you said, Woody, you're not going to agree 100%, but I will overlook some things as long as, you know, my candidate is very solidly pro-life. Um, you know, some people say, well, you can't just have a single issue. Well, sure that's fine. Yeah, I know what I'm just about to say. <laughs> I couldn't figure out how to say it nicely. You're right. Yes, I can. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I'm trying to be diplomatic here. As a matter of fact, um, there's so, a na there's a name for that. Um, they are called single issue voters. There's one okay, thing cool. that just means the world to them, and that's what they vote on. There's, right. There are millions of them. Yeah, and you know, you look at these things. You know, it's just like saying, you know, well, you know, my candidate is a womanizer, but that shouldn't affect his, um, you know, how he governs, and it's. You know, it's, it's a big picture. It really shows his character. And it most assuredly, you know, not to mention any past president names and the wife who's running now, but it, it surely shows their character, you know. Um, it, research it if you, if you don't know who I'm talking about. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, you're probably listening overseas somewhere, which we do have some shows, and I, I get emails um, all the time from people. We have a lot of listeners now in New Zealand and in Australia. They have found our network. Um, so, wow. you know, maybe they're not particularly listening uh, to this show in particular, but they might be if you want to understand how our politics work. Um, and so, you know, you're going to look at your values, the issues that are important, and um, how you will support your candidate. And we I would like to really hone in on that because you have uh, done some things in West Virginia where you live, and that is, um, you know, we've mentioned it in some of the past shows on Common Core and educating some of the uh, politicians there on exactly what Common Core uh, will do um, to the, the school system, uh, the, you know, in particular the children. 
and you have been very active in campaigning uh, for, for you know certain people as well. So can you just give us some things that um, you feel are helpful to anyone who wants to support a, a specific candidate? Well, first of all, you want to belong to a group. Uh, you can't do it by yourself. Uh, when mm -hmm. I was the uh, when I was teaching in the public schools, um, I was the advisor to the young Republicans or the teenage Republicans in, in this high school. And every time, uh, every two years, an election came up, we got involved. Uh, we went out, we went out and um, put signs up, and we knocked on people's doors and and told them about our candidate and handed them a brochure. Um, we went down to the uh, party headquarters. Um, in our city, and we spent hours on the telephone calling Republicans or urging them to get out to vote. Uh, we meet with candidates. We invite them to, to our school, and they come, and they tell us about what they're interested in, why they are running, and what they hope to do. Um, and But even now, once, uh, you know, I'm no longer, uh, I no longer have that group. I do have the Quality Schools Advisory Group, and while we're kind of narrow or kind of limited, to education. Uh, we frequently meet with candidates. I email candidates. We have a uh, senator, uh, for example, uh, from a five-county region that is a very close confederate of ours. Um, in fact, she has been putting bills on the floor of the state legislature. Some are passing. Some are, uh, didn't make it this year, but uh, will come back up again next year. And we feed her information. We help educate her. Um, she can't do it all by herself. Uh, as she has said, she said, I need your support. I need information more than anything. There are just a lot of different ways. You can go to Board of Education meetings and stand up and say what you think. You can go to your city council or county commission meeting and stand up and say what you think. Uh, you can go to your state capitol, um, you know, make it a make it a day and spend time nose to nose and eye to eye uh, with people that represent your county or your district there're just a lot of things you can do you can email people you can write letters to people you can simply talk to your neighbors and to your coworkers at your at your business or wherever it is that you work and um and you know try to persuade them gently uh, to your point of view, uh, just many things. Just be active, be informed, and know that you have to inform other people. I just saw something uh, three or four days ago. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, is campaigning, as you know. She's been campaigning since the year 2000. Um, and she is so equal pay for women, equal pay for women, equal pay for women. And it's been discovered that when she was a senator, she had a fairly large staff, and she paid the women on the staff 72%, 72 cents to the dollar of what she pay, paid the men on the, on, the, on the staff. And so here she is, hypocritically saying equal pay for women. She wants a women's vote. Well, they interviewed several women um, who were supporting Hillary Clinton, and every single one of them, when the interviewer told them, well, did you know that 72 cents the dollar for women's and so on? They all said, well, I can't vote for anybody that would do that. Um, so, and again, that goes back to the rhetoric thing. 
Can you believe Hillary Clinton when she says equal pay for women? No, you can't. And the same thing you'll probably find true of some of the Republican candidates. So there is that. But there, nonetheless, in answer to Felice's questions, there are many things you can do. Just be active, be informed, uh, be part of the process. Don't sit at home watching television or texting your friend. Get out there and make a difference. That's important. If you are texting your friends, make sure that you help sway their political persuasion as well. <laughs> if your friends, if your friends can vote, so um, that will be the exciting thing. I believe um, we will have Anne, um, who will be 18 in 2016, so uh, she'll be able to vote. Wonderful. She's excited about that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we'll have quite a few, uh, few of us, six of us. Uh, just in my household that vote, you know, Mikey's too young right now. So, right. so yeah. And, uh, you know, we have spent a lot of time um, since actually we started recording Woody talking about um, not only uh, events, you know, that's why it's called current issues in the constitution. Uh, we, we talk about, um, you know, things that are happening currently, but we also talk about some major issues, that have been happening and, uh, you know, in, in past recordings, we've also looked at the Constitution and what that has said about different things. So um, we have some hot buttons that just will not go away. And if you look at our past episodes, we've covered these in quite um, a bit of detail. Uh, so uh, let's go through some of those. Woody, I have a list. If, again, if you're listening in the archives, um, go to uh, current issues and the Constitution, look up political climate. I should have a number for you by the end of this uh, this recording. I'll look it up quick. I should have that episode number. I'm trying to put those on so it's easier for people to just scroll down and find the number. Um, but uh, there are about five issues or six here, and then I'll have them in the show notes as well. So let's go through them quickly, Woody. We don't really have time to go into every single one of these, but you have covered them, haven't you, in length? Um, yes, in the past. In the, yeah. So do you want to cover them? So the first is um, the economy, and uh, do you have that list there, Woody? No, I don't. Okay. Um, oh, you mean the, there, the, list, the list on the uh, – Yes, right. Okay, yeah, the big issues, the economy, of course, it's um, the worst recovery uh, since, worst economic period since the Great Depression. Remember, on one of the previous um, shows, we talked about the third quarter of 2014 and how it was, the economy grew at uh, close to 5%, which was amazing. Um, and uh, Obama was talking about what a great economic recovery this indicated and so on and so forth. Well, in the first quarter of this year, the economy grew at two-tenths of one percent. Uh, so that was just a an exception, uh, that thing back in the third quarter of 2015. This is a horrible economy. A lot of people are out of jobs. A lot of people are working part-time instead of full-time. Um, young people are living with their parents. And people are Young people are not going to college because they wouldn't why spend all that money when I can't get a job anyway attitude? This is a rotten economy, really bad. And um, 
that's according to the polls, according to the surveys, this is the number one issue. Who has the solution? The Republican candidate or the Democratic candidate when you get past the primaries, and we know who the two candidates are. Who's got the leadership? Who has, who uh, either has or agrees with the position for economic recovery that will actually work? Now, for the last six or six and a half years, we have tried big government solutions. They don't work, and they never did, and we knew, have known that for a long time. Uh, sometimes I think that people on the left side of things um, are very poorly educated, or maybe they don't care. Uh, maybe they want to destroy the American and let, let Agenda 21 uh, take its course. The point is, who do you believe has the solution to solving the economy? Okay, the second one, government spending and the national debt, that thing is totally out of control. It will destroy this country in time, in 15 or 20 years from now. It's going to get really, really ugly. The government needs to stop spending money so much. And, you, you know, one of the things, you had George W. Bush and a Republican Congress for six years moderate, the moderate position. And for those six years, the uh, government spending grew by between 4 and 8%. It just continued to grow. The national debt grew bigger than it had ever grown in any presidential uh, administration prior to George W. Bush. And um, Obama has quadrupled that. So you had a re big time, big, big government spending Republican president and a big government spending Democratic president in a row, we have been, government spending and the national debt have been out of control for quite some time. And maybe that's one of the reasons people are looking for a third party. The third issue will be immigration reform. Uh, boy, are we getting tired of this one. Uh, let's solve the problem. It's a very, very difficult one. And... Um, I frankly cannot take a solid position on it personally. I just can't do that. I do know one thing with certainty. We need to shut down the border. Shut down the border. Then we'll decide what to do with all these folks, some of them very good people, some of them are children, some of them are hardworking taxpayers, some of them have died for this country in Afghanistan and um, Iraq. And what do we do with them? Uh, but first, let's close the borders. And in doing so, we also cement the national security. A fourth one, which is growing, and, could, and this could change, Felice, I mean, the foreign policy, the ISIS, mm -hmm. Russia, China, um, the, the murder and slaughter of Christians and hundreds of thousands of people all over particularly the southwestern Asian, Asian region. Um, and, and add to that the power moves that we're seeing from Russia and China. It's like 19th century uh, foreign stuff from Russia and China. Then uh, we need leadership. America was a leader. And when we withdrew under Obama, uh, things just went berserk. And it's chaos out there. So foreign policy could move up the ladder of the issues in terms of being an important issue. Fifth issue uh, is uh, national security. 
And that's always a major concern, which is more important, freedom or national security. If you have to sacrifice your civil liberties um, in order to be safe, would you? To what extent would you? That's a, a very important question. We also have the specter of the National Security Agency, which recently decided to capture our, our phone signals and listen in on our conversations if they want to without a warrant. Um, was that necessary? Does that really, does that really um, um, protect the national security? And what about immigration reform combined with national security? We know that, that terrorists are coming across the border. We know they're here already, and, and they're going to strike. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. So immigration reform, closing the border, is a parcel uh, of the whole approach to national security. And the last important issue, and I'm glad to see that it finally made it, is climate change. So we're going to have to decide. Is the globe warming up because of man-made CO2 emissions, or is it not? Is global warming a good thing or a bad thing? Do we have global warming, or we just have the usual climate change? The climate has been changing for the last 4 billion years, and it will always change. It will either get hotter or colder. Today here where I am, it's cooler than it was yesterday. That's climate change, and that's going to go on for a couple of weeks, and then it will probably get warm again. And if you look at the average temperatures over the years, uh, you'll see an, a warming trend, and then you'll see a cooling trend. And scientists are totally in disagree, uh, disagreement with each other, scientific groups, scientific individuals, about this issue. But I am glad to see that it has finally become an issue. And hopefully an examination of it will draw Agenda 21, the United Nations plan for a takeover of America and the rest of the world, draw it out of the shadows and into the public discussion for public scrutiny. So those are the big issues, the economy, government spending, national debt, immigration reform, foreign policy, national security, and climate change. So Very how many good. of those are important to you? Uh, is the one that's most important to you on the list? So you got to think about that also. Right. And also, um, you know, you can find more classes. And probably what I'll do is um, I'll try to have some links in the post here uh, with this uh, a recording. Um, it will have exactly, um, you know, some of the classes that we've already done on this issue with the current issues in the Constitution show. And I keep calling it a class, Woody, the show. Um, so you know you know what I mean, but <laughs> the listeners may not. So just so uh, you, you can find them quickly. And then also people may not know that if you go to ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com, on that front page is a search feature, and you can search for any topic. And if we have a show with that topic, it will um, pop up. So that, that will help you as well. So we are on show, let me look at here, I believe we are on show, um, let's see, I think 41, this is show 41, so um, look for that number, I, I can't promise you, but I'm almost positive that's what it is, um, whether you had some issues with your computer, <clears throat> which have all been resolved. Uh, hopefully, and um, you were able to recover your data. Was that? I got to some. Do that with... 
I got everything but the um, email. I had some, um, I had collections of documents that friends had sent me that I stored in folders, and then I had uh, group contacts, uh, five five of mm-hmm. them. I lost all that. So <clears throat> I'm still trying to re- restructure. I can't get, I can't get back the um, information that I lost, the articles and essays and so on. But I, I can uh, slowly reconstruct those contact groups. It's going to take a while, but uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you got your most of your content. I think that was very important. All your your lectures and things like that, and all your slides. So. I'm yeah, I had all that backed that. up. I had that backed Good. up, but I I haven't researched it yet. But I'm not sure you can back up um, um, email email stuff. Yeah, you you can um, you can download files that are like Excel spreadsheets. I know I've done that with contacts and things like that. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. In the future, there's there is a, a, a feature in there, but uh, we are out of time. Um, the information about us. Uh, the current uh, announcements of political candidates, uh, some other Democrats that are, uh, that are listed, Republican declared candidates and percentages uh, so far, uh, favorability, uh, will be in those show notes under uh, political climate. So, um, Woody, I, I so appreciate your time, and we are taking a bit of a break, but uh, you know, you can listen to the other 40 episodes of Current Issues in the Constitution. We have some really good shows, and uh, we uh, hope that you will uh, catch up. If you haven't, if you're new to our show, welcome. And we will be, um, you know, catching up with you all very shortly. It seems like time these days just does not stand still. It keeps marching ahead. And... Um, we appreciate all of you, appreciate all of, all of your emails, and, uh, you know, hope that uh, you will continue to follow along with what is happening in the news. And, uh, you know, as Woody, you always say, to make sure you have a copy of your Constitution handy so that you can look things up and become well-versed with that. All right. All right. Well, thank you so much, Woody, and we'll uh, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, Felice. Take care. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Current Issues in the Constitution. If you'd like to join us live, visit our show page on ultimatehomeschoolradionetwork.com. And for more information about Professor Wilson's classes, visit AmericanHistoryKidsClass.com. See you next week.